0: my associate. <laughs> Just out of uh, curiosity, um, how many of you, as we kind of transition from Christmas to New Year's, how many of you uh, are uh, New Year's resolutions, do, do you do resolutions over New Year's? A few of you do. Not much of a goal-setting crowd. That's okay. Um, But uh, I I wanted to share with you from uh, About.com. They share uh, some of the most common New Year's resolutions each year. Number ten is a kind of a top ten list. Number ten is to get organized as a as a uh, New Year's resolution. Another is to number nine is to help others. Number eight is to learn something new. Number seven is to get out of debt. Number six is to quit drinking. Number five is to enjoy life more. Number four is to quit smoking. Number three is to lose weight. Number two is to get into good physical shape. And number one is to spend more time with family and friends. And uh, every year, uh, there's all this kind of media talk. If you if you kind of look around and read and watch about, about goal setting, that this is the time of year uh, where we set goals. And it's kind of stereotypical, um, but when, uh, uh, I had a membership to the Y, there was always this kind of joke at the YMCA about like January 2nd the place was packed, uh, and by Valentine's Day it was empty again, you know, um, that, that sort of thing that a lot of these resolutions uh, tend to be broke by, uh, by by about February, and so I don't know what New Year's resolutions you want to set this year, again, as we're making the transition uh, from Christmas to New Year's, but I want to give you uh, three or four just additional things to think about. Um, And uh, I don't know that I've ever set these resolutions as I studied the story we're going to study today. I don't know if I've ever thought about setting them as resolutions. But the more I looked at this text over the last couple of weeks, the more I thought these are really great goals to set, really great resolutions to make. Uh, And I think our our 2020 is going to be even better uh, if we follow the example of Jesus in this. So I want to set that thought aside for a minute. We're going to come back to that thought about halfway through the sermon, but I want to kind of transition to this idea. And it's something I have thought about a lot over the years. And it's this question, when did Jesus know he was Jesus? All right. This is going to lead us to kind of a goal setting, uh, some goal setting later on in the service. But I want you to think about that first. When did Jesus know he was Lord? When did Jesus know he was savior? When did Jesus know he was king? When did Jesus know he was the son of God? When did Jesus know he was the Jesus, right? And uh, I've I've thought about that a lot, and we're not really told uh, a ton about his childhood. The, The only story I'm aware, really, of his childhood is the one we're gonna study today. But we know a ton about his birth. And so you think about Jesus growing up, if he heard some of these stories, He would certainly have an idea in his mind that he was different, right? Consider if Jesus heard this story, if his mom ever someday told him the story of his birth, and there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby uh, enclosed, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on 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 earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the angels said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. That is not the story my mom tells about my birth. My mom tells a story of it being a giant snowstorm, and she and my dad got stopped at a train, and they thought she was going to give birth in the car, right? It is not angels appeared, right? The glory of the Lord shone around them. So you can assume if Jesus heard that story, If Jesus, as he was, you know, getting to be my kid's age, was like, tell me about my birth, mom. And there were shepherds out in the flock and the angel, you know, the angels, the singing, the the son of God. So he would have had some understanding that he was different. Or if he heard this story growing up, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star uh, from the east, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gotten together with all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report back to me that I too may worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where it was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So you can assume that, again, that's not a story that you hear about your childhood, about your birth. You can assume if Jesus heard that story, he would assume that there was something different about his birth, something different about him as as a person. Or if he heard this story, one last one, this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His uh, his mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she found out to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Dad, tell me about when I was born. Ah, It's different, it's unusual, it's special. And we can assume that Jesus knew these things, that his birth was unique that he was special, that in some way, he was the Lord, he was the Messiah, he was, he was the King. But when exactly did Jesus know he was Jesus? When exactly he knew, did he know his mission? Did he know his purpose? Did he know God's, uh, God the Father's plan for his life? Kind of quick spoiler alert, no one knows. Nobody knows. We have virtually no stories about the childhood of Jesus. Don't you wish we did? Right? There, there are virtually no stories, but think about Jesus as a child. How amazing, must have? people have surmised that maybe he did some miracles as a child, and nobody knows, and I, I doubt that's even true, to be honest with you. But, but it, it is fun to think about, what was he like as a kid? What was he like as a child? What was he like as a teenager? What was he like growing up? And like I said, we virtually have no stories. We do have one kind of story-ish, And I want to show it to you. It said, When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town in Nazareth. And here's what I want you to see. The child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And then every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover when he was 12 years old. So here's, here's the story, all right? Here's the story that uh, the gospel writers thought we should know about Jesus' childhood, much, I think, to Mary's chagrin. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Really, this is the one story. This is the one story we're gonna tell, all right? And thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began to look for him. Has anyone seen Jesus? Where's Jesus? Uh, Among their relative and their friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, three days, all right, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw this, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, son, Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, Jesus asked. Didn't you know that I had to be about in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient uh, to them, right? All you kids hear that? He went with his parents and he was obedient, right? <laughs> Obedient. All right, all right. But his, his mother treasured these things in her heart, and Jesus, here's what, all right, here it is again. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. I find this story uh, enormously fascinating. Uh, first of all, because Jesus' parents left him behind, So the next time you're like, oh, am I a good parent? Am I doing a good job? Am I doing the right thing? Mary, the mother of Jesus, lost her 12-year-old, all right? So like if you haven't done that this Christmas, you're you're doing doing pretty good, all right? So Jesus' parents left him behind, and and I find it so interesting. Here you are, you're entrusted with this gift, the Son of God, the King, the Messiah, and like the one thing God asks you to do, keep an eye on him, (laughs) Right, you lose him, right? You you lose the Son of God, and so I, I find it interesting in that way. I remember uh, right before I moved here, uh, Cheryl and I uh, took some kids uh, about an hour and a half away from our town, and we went to a youth conference. And uh, we were there. We did the whole youth conference thing, and we gathered all the kids. I guess there were probably about twenty kids or so. We gathered them at the top of the escalator right before we were going to get into the cars to go home. Top of the escalator, count all the kids go straight to the cars. At some point, this girl had wandered away. I have no idea when, but we get in the car, we drive all the way home, an hour and a half or so. um, We drive all the way home, and uh, I get out of the car, and I realize uh, this girl is missing. And I have never been so terrified in all my life. Uh, Call hotel security, they had her. Uh, she, she was back at the hotel. Somehow, she had wandered away from me. But I had to make the dreaded phone call to her mom. And uh, so I called her mom. She had three, her mom had three children, and I called her and I said, "I am so sorry. We've left Diana back at the hotel accidentally. I'm on my way back right now. I'm going to go get her." And here was I promise you. Here was her mom's response: "Oh, don't worry about it. We've done that before." And I felt better because I, I had like 20 kids and she just had the three. So the fact that she had lost this girl made me feel good about myself. And uh, so I drove, I, drove back, I drove back to get this girl. This isn't part of the sermon really, but it's just to complete the story. But I drove back to get this girl and she's with hotel security. I said, all right, Deanna, let, let's go home. And um, I, we walked up to the minivan. I said, there's no one else with us. You can ride in the front if you want. And she goes, I think I'll ride in the back. And like she, she got to the very back of the and did not say a word for an hour and a half. She was so mad at me uh, for, for leaving her behind. But I have like a tiny, tiny uh, little bit of feeling about G- uh, how Jesus' parents must have felt in this moment. I mean, this was three days they were looking. Three days that they're looking and you can put themselves in, in their position. Our whole ordeal with this girl was like three hours. And I know how terrified and afraid I was, and it wasn't even my daughter, right? So, so um, I, I can only imagine uh, how, how they felt, but here's what I want you to see what is so interested, interesting in this story. When I talk about when did Jesus know he was Jesus, is that the, the text mentions twice that there was a period of growth when it comes to Jesus, that he grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, He grew in his understanding of grace. There was a period of growth with Jesus. Now, I think it is important to kind of get in here theologically that Jesus never sinned. So when we talk about a period of growth, we're not talking about anything that would be sinful, um, that that there there was no sin in his childhood, no sin in his teenage years. He never chose to do the wrong thing or, or say the wrong thing. But there was this, somehow, this period of growth where Jesus is growing, first of all, physically, that you can assume that Jesus went through the awkward teenage years, right? Just like we all do. So Jesus went through the awkward teenage years. He, he physically grew, but then I think we can assume that there's something going on here spiritually too, that he is growing in his understanding of who he is. He is growing in his understanding of grace. He is growing in his understanding of wisdom. There was a period of growth. And, and what that looked like exactly is something that we'll have to say for God when we when we get to eternity of man what did this the, the text says that Jesus grew what does that look like in the son of God what does it look like for him to to grow um, and that's just something we'll have to ask God but I want you to know if there was a period of growth in Jesus's life this is the time of year where we're talking about how we want to grow and uh, how how we want to Uh, how we want to move forward, how we want to learn and grow and uh, become the people that God wants us to be. So I just want to pull some things from the text, uh, like three or four things. And I just want to encourage you today, when when you go home, consider adding these to your New Year's resolution list. I've got some goals that, that I'm setting, you know, financial goals and health goals and stuff like that. But as I read through this text, it's like, man, I never would have set this as a New Year's resolution, but I'm so glad I read this text and I can think about, man, in addition to losing weight, in addition to becoming uh, better financially, these are some areas that I wanna grow in too. And so I'm just gonna pull them straight from the text and kind of we can think through for a few minutes about how we wanna grow in these areas, all right? We wanna be a people this year that grow in grace, all right? The text talks about that right. Uh, toward the, that the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. We want to grow in grace, that we want to grow in our understanding of what Jesus has done for us. That I think we can always grow in that. that this is one of those things that if you're like me, I was raised in the church. Uh, my parents became Christians the year I was born. I always say was, they looked at me and they're like, we need the Lord. We need the Lord. So they, my parents immediately like went to church when I was born, and uh, they were right; they did need the Lord. But um, uh, so I could, I just kind of grew up. My parents became. Uh, Uh, became really, really, really into spiritual things, really, really into God. And so we were just there all the time. Uh, At that time, when I was growing up, it was Sunday morning, it was Sunday night, it was Wednesday night, it was like someone's cleaning the windows, we're gonna take up our pew and we're gonna watch. All right, That's just how kind of we were raised. And so I think that when you have been raised in the church the way that I was raised in the church, that you can have a cognitive understanding of God's grace, but not have it really get to your heart. And so when I say we want to grow in God's grace, I'm like, we want to fall in love with it again. That we're blown away by it. We're blown away by what Christ has done for us. The grace he has shown us. The mercy he has imparted to us. The relationship with God that we're able to have because of his grace. We want to grow in that this year and maybe have a prayer of God. I don't just want to understand this. I want this to change my whole heart. I, I don't want to just understand. I want it to change my whole heart and my whole life. So we want to grow in our, our understanding of grace for ourselves. But here's the other thing. We want to grow in our dispersion of grace toward others. That a, a Christmas gift is never meant to just be received. It is really meant to be shared. And so we, don't, we talk a lot about receiving the gift of grace, but we don't ever want to forget that we also want to be a people that impart grace to others. So maybe this is the year that you finally, you take that additional step to try to forgive that person. Maybe this is the year that you take that step and you try to show a kindness to that person. Maybe this is the day where you take a step and you serve your community in a way that you never had before. But to just pray to the Lord, this is between you and God, of God, how do you want me? I've got this gift in my hand, but I can't just keep it to myself. How do you want me to disperse the grace that you have shown me? And God's got something in mind for you. I guarantee it. He's got something in mind for you that he wants you to do this year when it comes to grace, All right? So we're going to be all about grace, right? As we enter the new year, that we want to grow in grace. We want to grow in wisdom. We want to grow in wisdom, that we want to make better decisions. But in addition to that, we want to make godly decisions. We, we want to make decision, the decisions that Jesus wants us to make going into the new year. And here's, I just want to kind of give a little preface to this, that sometimes a godly decision does not always look like a wise decision to the people around us. All right? So just kind of keep that in mind that that if you ran a focus group on a decision that God is calling you to make, you might have people in your life that go, I am not sure that is a great idea, but if it's from God, it's a great idea, right? If it's from his word, it's a great idea. So take Jesus, for instance, leaving heaven and coming to earth, right? Leave heaven and come to earth. If you were to take a poll of people, a lot of people would say that doesn't seem like a great decision. You're in heaven, right? Just stay in heaven, but Jesus knew what he was called to do, and he knew it was a good decision, and going to the cross uh, ultimately became a good decision for all of us because Jesus was faithful. Um, So Jesus is going to call you to some things that might require faith, they might require risk, they might require courage, but if they are from God, They are better decisions. And so we need God's help to figure this out. And so one of the great verses of the Bible, it's like, man, how do I get this wisdom? I wanna make good decisions. I wanna make godly decisions. I wanna live out his plan for my life. How do I go about doing that? And the book of James tells us exactly how we go about doing that. You know what James says? If any of you wants wisdom, he should ask, ask. It's really, really super simple. As we enter into the new year, that we're going to spend some time, God, what is the wise path you have in store for me? What is the wise path? What is the decisions that you want me to make that may not seem wise to everyone around me? They might, they might not seem wise, but they're, they're your plan. They're your purpose for me. What is it you want me to do, God? And just ask. I guarantee you, just like he has a plan for you when it comes to grace, he has a plan for you when it comes to wisdom. Last one. We want to grow in stature and take it. From, I've grown enough in stature over Christmas. I'm done. <laughs> My stature is expanding at an alarming rate. But um, let me explain what I mean by that. All right. Uh, that, that we don't want to live our life trying to please everyone in it. But here's what we talk about when Jesus kind of grew in stature. He grew in influence. Right? He, he grew in a relational influence with others. And so we want that to be something that we're thinking about as we enter into the new year of God. I want to grow in my reputation with others. I want to grow in my relationship with others. I want to grow in my stature so that I can influence people for Jesus. And so, God, what are the relationships you kind of want me to focus on? How can I become more influential in some people's lives? How can I grow in stature? How can I grow uh, in influence? How can I make the difference that Jesus wants me to make? So we're going to grow in grace. We're going to grow in wisdom. We're going to grow in stature. And that's three points, so I need to be done. It's almost like I'm a real preacher. The last, One time a year, I'll be real. All right, three points. And uh, we want to grow in all of those things and just ask the Lord ahead of us, man, uh, what is the grace thing you want me to do? What is the wise thing you want me to do? And what kind of influence do you want me to have with, in, in the people's lives around me? What, how do you want me to grow in stature? How do you want me to grow in influence with the people around me? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for Jesus. And uh, I am... Uh, deeply curious about the way that Jesus grew. Um, I just know we don't have really any stories that describe it, so it's really not anything we can know, but we know that if Jesus grew, we need to grow. And so this next year, man, in in addition to losing weight and being financially responsible and and all that stuff, we want to have some spiritual stuff on our radar that we want to grow in grace. Help us to grow in our understanding of it for ourselves and our dispersion of it for other people. We want to grow in wisdom. We want to make the godly right decision. And we want to grow in stature and influence. Help us to do it, Lord. Uh, I pray that 2020 ahead um, would be a great year, a great year of spiritual growth uh, for us as a people and for us as a church. We thank you again for Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. We're gonna receive uh, communion uh, together as a church family right now. And it's just an opportunity for us to spend some time with the Lord and to maybe ask him some of these questions that, especially how do you want me to grow in grace? This is a great time to ask that as we're, uh, there's two cups stacked on top of each other. One has some bread representing Jesus's body. The other has some juice representing his blood. This is his demonstration of grace. So it's a great time for us to ask, man, how do you want me to disperse this grace? I have it in my possession. How do you want me to disperse it to others and pray about that? You can pray about wisdom. Maybe you have a big decision on the horizon. God, I need your wisdom. This is a great time to ask him for that. God, give me your wisdom. I need your wisdom. And influence. God, I want to grow in stature. I I want to influence the people that you want me to influence. And so you can just spend some time with the Lord right now. Uh, We'll pass them out. Hold on to those two cups. I'll come back up in just a few minutes and we'll receive them uh, together as a church family, All right?